Thank you for listening to the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled, The Voice of the Shepherd, and is based on John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. It was delivered on Sunday, May 8th, 2022, by Pastor Stephen D. Pierce. The lectionary brings us to the Gospel of John, chapter 10, so I encourage you to turn to page 873. We're looking at verses 22 through 30. Jesus is rejected by the Jews. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple, in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the festival of dedication, more commonly known as Hanukkah, is an eight-day Jewish festival that commemorates the cleansing and the rededication of the Jewish temple in Jerusalem in 2nd century BCE after Antiochus Epiphanes defiled it by sacrificing a pig on the altar of burnt uh, sacrifice or burnt offering. And this celebration occurs usually around winter, but it can happen in November. It might extend into January, but John tells us it's winter. And so Jesus is walking in the cool breezes of Jerusalem and the temple. And he's in the portico of Solomon, which is this beautiful roofed, walkway supported by large stone columns. You can imagine it. And he's on the east side of the temple where he can hear the cheers, he can feel the celebratory spirit of people gathering once again to remember all that the Maccabees had done to be victorious over Greek oppression. And in the midst of this excitement, And all that was happening, I can imagine Jesus walking along the eastern part of the temple and looking up and out toward the east, toward the Mount of Olives, where the Mount of Olives would be towering down over him and everyone else gathered on the Temple Mount. And just beyond the Mount of Olives, is what is known as the wilderness and the beginning of a 17-mile road that leads through that wilderness all the way down to the city of Jericho. If you were to take that path 
it would be a two days journey. Some of us were on the Jericho Road not but a few days ago. The group of us, the 16 of us who went from Central Reformed Church to Israel-Palestine, we had the pleasure of walking part of that road. And while we were there, we, we experienced the beauty as well as the dangers of what is known as Wadi El Kelt. While we were there, we had a teaching, and we moved off the road a bit. And our teacher, Bart Denbor, opened our eyes to a couple of passages and helped us to think through what, what was really happening there. And at the end of his teaching, he looked at us and he said, now I want you to, to walk in silence for a while. Don't make a sound, just walk. And so we did that. And I had an unusual experience, something that was deeply spiritual for me. As we were walking, I was imagining that I was a shepherd in first century Palestine, trying to keep the sheep together on this very dangerous path, leading them to pastures and to water, helping to prevent them from falling off the cliff to their death down below, being the gatekeeper, the one who watches them at night, whether it's in the open or in sheepfolds, and counts them one by one as they come into the fold. I imagined for a moment that I was that shepherd. The shepherd in first century Palestine leading the sheep down this treacherous path and all the complications that come with that. And as I'm thinking about this as, and I'm walking, it kind of dawned on me for a moment, Steve, you're a shepherd to a flock in Grand Rapids. How are you listening to the shepherd's voice today? To the voice of Jesus. To the voice of the one who protects any and all who love him and follow him from eternal harm. Now, if you read the entire book of John, you see very quickly how people respond um, differently to Jesus. In chapter 10 is certainly no exception. Jesus had been in Jerusalem since his arrival for the festival of booths in chapter 7, teaching regularly in the temple complex. He was there, and he taught. And the more he taught, the more his teaching evokes this much, uh, this consternation among the people uh, they're, they're concerned about his identity, they're concerned about his origins, they're concerned about his authority, and all of this results in a division among the people. Some believe he's the Messiah, others think he's nuts, and then there are those who think he's just a blasphemer claiming to be God who deserves to die. Immediately following the first part of Jesus' Good Shepherd discourse at the beginning of John chapter 10, there's a similar divided response. Quote, again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, has he a demon? Is, is he out of his mind? Why should we listen to him? Why? Others were saying, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? <laughs> now, it's unclear how much time's passed between that discussion and the one that involves today's passage. Whatever happened, the ambiguity surrounding the teacher from Galilee 
reached the boiling point. Some Jews gathered around him and asked Jesus to put an end to this debate once and for all. They said, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Just tell us. But again, you have to read the whole gospel and you see that no matter what he tells them, they will not believe in him. They will not believe in the works that he does in his Father's name. They do not believe. They do not believe because they do not belong to his sheep. I think even today, many ask for proof. Those who do that do, do so for the wrong reasons. There are those who don't want to follow Jesus the way that he might lead them. But during the first century, people hoped Jesus would declare himself as the Messiah, as, as the one who would come to remove the Romans. But they did that for distorted reasons. And yet there were others who didn't believe in him at all. They just wanted him to say something about himself where they could catch him and accuse him of telling lies. That's exactly what happened in John 8 with the Pharisees. So I was reading Professor Elizabeth Johnson of uh, Lutheran Institute of Theology, and she provides this really helpful insight to this passage. She says, only with the eyes of faith can one see the truth concerning Jesus. Those who belong to him, who hear and recognize his voice and follow him, have been given to him by the Father. Everything depends on God's initiative, she says. God sent God's Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. At the same time, the result of Jesus' coming into the world is that those who do not believe are subject to judgment. And we hold that tension with the promise that creates and sustains faith. The promise of the Good Shepherd to give us eternal life. The promise that no one will be able to snatch us out of his hand. We can discern the shepherd's voice amidst all the other voices that clamor for our attention, many of whom claim to speak for God, telling us how to grow closer to God through prescribed religious experiences, by believing the correct doctrine, by reaching a higher level of knowledge or a higher level of morality. The voices are multitude, but we don't always recognize how contrary they are to the voice of the Good Shepherd. His voice tells us we belong because we are known. It's the voice that liberates rather than distresses. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I've come that they might have life, have it abundantly. And he's saying right there, I've come so that my followers will belong. They belong to me. No one can snatch them out of my hand. It's our best life lived in the abundant love of God, made known in Jesus Christ, that flows to others. Or as Johnson put it, amidst all the other voices that evoke fear, make demands or give advice. The voice of the good shepherd is a voice of promise, a voice that that calls us by name and claims us as God's own. That's for all of us.
even those of us who stray off the beaten path and wander and find themselves lost. God goes to them as well. Well, on our trip to Israel-Palestine, our group had the pleasure of meeting Dawood Nassar on his farm, which is called Dahir's Vineyard. It's just a few kilometers from Bethlehem. Bethlehem's in the West Bank, and if you know anything about what's going on there, this is Section C, which is under Israeli control. And if you've not heard of um, Dawood Nassar, that's okay. Um, You can read all about uh, his story and what his family's been going through if you visit their website, Tent of Nations. Um, The Nassar family for 31 years, all of whom, by the way, are Palestinian Christians, have been fighting tooth and nail to keep their 100-acre farm from being confiscated by the Israeli government. The Israeli government likes to declare various portions of land as state land and then have access to them so that they can then move these settlements into the Palestinian areas. And I don't know how many illegal settlements there are but there are many. And it's discouraging, to say the least. But the Nassar family did register their property many, many moons ago, which has been in their name since 1916. And if you know anything about history, in 1916, it was the Ottomans who controlled Israel, Palestine, that area. So the Israeli government's making it more and more difficult right now for the Nassar family to live on their own land. They're cutting off water, cutting off electricity, they're blocking the driveway with massive boulders and big piles of dirt and trash. Um, they would love nothing more than for the family to vacate the premises so that would clear the way for yet another illegal settlement in Palestine. And here's what's really sad to me. What's really sad is that people are coming onto the property and cutting down olive trees, hundreds of them, trees that have been in the family for years and years and years. And if you know anything about olive trees, it takes forever for them to grow and produce. But people will come in, they'll cut them down. And Dawood and his, another family member were recently beat up on their own land and hospitalized. And those who are the perpetrators have yet to be found and prosecuted. So you might be wondering, why do they stay? Is it worth it? It's worth it for them because they're so connected to the land. It is their land. It's their home. And fortunately, an international presence of volunteers also helps prevent the Israeli government from swooping in and taking their land outright. What they inherited, they cannot sell, give away, or give up. It'd be like giving up their souls. Is the way Dawood put it to us. They could meet violence with violence. They could just sit down and cry. They could um, give up and leave. But instead, Dawood looked at us and he said, We refuse to be enemies. We refuse to be victims. We refuse to hate. We choose to act differently as Christians. We believe in justice. We walk a different path. And so what they do is they they invest all of this negative energy 
in constructive ways. They use solar power. They build cisterns. They use the caves that are on the property for housing. Um, they ask people to sponsor a tree and then maybe come and plant it and work on the farm. They have children's art camps where they teach the children, most of whom are Palestinian children, to believe and to say with confidence, hey, I am able to shape my own future. And adults come to learn how to farm and talk about how they can work towards peace. We sat there for about an hour with Dawood. This is actually the second time I've met him. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Here's a man who not only listens to the shepherd's voice, he knows the shepherd. He knows the good shepherd and he knows the good shepherd is protecting him and his family from eternal harm. He knows that no one, not even the Israeli government, can harm his soul. He chooses not to be afraid, but to trust in the one who is both God and Jesus, the one who gives everlasting security. You know, a lot of people go to the Holy Land and it's, it's exciting, it's fun. And you go from national park to national park and you go to the little shops and you buy the trinkets and the souvenirs and all that stuff. But often people go and they look at one dead stone after another and they forget about the living stones in the land, people. People who call themselves Christians, who have faith in the Good Shepherd and choose to follow him in the midst of all of that political turmoil that's going on there. And as a Palestinian Christian committed to nonviolence, Dawood is, I think, one of the best examples of a living stone in the land. He walks an entirely different path because he knows that the one who is one with the Father will never let him, and, or, him or his family perish. And so the question for us today is, who are you listening to? Which voice has your attention? What are those voices that you're, you're tapping into? Because if I'm reading this gospel correctly, what it is saying to each and every one of us is that Jesus knows his sheep and the sheep that follow Jesus know his voice. And he'll never let anyone perish, ever. Just as he knows our brother Dawood, he, he, he knows us and he loves us. And hey, most of us have it pretty easy. Most of us in this room aren't worrying about where our next meal is coming from or if a government is going to take our house and our land. He provides for us. He cares for us. We could lose everything in this life. We could lose it today. But in him, we actually have everything we could ever want and a love that will never separate us from God the Father. This is the promise. This is the promise to the people, to the sheep of his pasture. His voice calls us each by name and claims us as God's own. And for that, we can rejoice and be thankful.
Let's pray. Our gracious God, thank you for the gift of your word and for the promise that those who follow you will be your sheep and you will give them eternal life and they will not perish for no one can snatch them from your hand. Help us to listen to your voice more intently Help us to hear your voice, calling us by name, claiming us as your own. For we would follow you, good shepherd. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. New to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids, Michigan. We hope you will give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website, centralreformedchurch.org. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of In Good Faith, a Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast.